Welcome to Exploring Creativity. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and provide a community for creative people all over the world. On this podcast, we explore a variety of topics with a multifaceted group of creative people. We explore these topics in hopes of broadening your perspective and giving you the tools you need to do your very best work. Today, I'm speaking with Matthew Stoopstad. Matthew is a director, producer, and editor. Together, we explored the benefits of getting older, the many seasons of creativity, the myth of the starving artist, and so much more. It was a great conversation with a great friend, and I'm super excited for you to hear it. Hey. Hello. There you are. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to see you. You know, um, Nathan Dantzler, who is a client of mine, a a former guest on here, really amazing, excellent dude, um, talented mastering engineer. He is in his, I don't, I don't even, I don't know. I don't even know if you want me to say his age. He's in an age. He's past 30. I'll say that. And he, but he's, yeah. he's all about that exact concept of it honestly gets better. Like, he's like, I don't yeah. want to be young. Like there was a time where I wanted to be young again. Yeah. He's like, now I love the fact that like every year I'm learning new things and integrating all of these learnings. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting too. Um, I've, I've, uh, I feel like I, I imagine most people relate to this now, like during the pandemic, uh, during the last year, I think, uh, everybody kind of went through this phase where they, uh, we kind of, I don't know, reapproached our work or reapproached what we're doing and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I, I've come out of it with like a new mentality and all that kind of stuff. But then I reflected back upon my work I did when I was younger, different mentality, not as like self-aware. But like, brought something else to the game. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. We go through these different waves and different chapters, but I find uh, each one has its own strengths. Hopefully we can like carry the power we have at this stage to this and add upon it. But even if we don't, you know. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's it, it speaks to evolution. It speaks to the way the earth changes and i know you're an outdoorsman as well um it speaks to all of that like when you go on a hike and you see like especially if you hike one place like multiple seasons and you see its evolution and its changes and one tree is left behind that you used to see and another one has grown in its absence and you know i feel like you're talking to the southern california guy where i'm like it's hot it's warm it's hot those are our seasons I like you, you see, the you've part. heard of seasons, right? <laughs> yeah, I hear that's the thing. Okay, cool. Just I want to be sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The seasons, um, what they are basically is that four times a year, roughly, um, the environment changes. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, okay. Oh, by the way, I'm gonna, nope, there I am. I had to put it on, do not disturb. There we are, because I didn't listen to my own directions. Um, but yeah, I, I think it does speak to that sort of the way. Uh, the way the earth changes and stays the same in many ways is the same way we change and stay the same. There's an analogy there yeah. somewhere. And there's the, you know, uh, flowers on perennials or whatever the phrase is. You know, there are seasons of blooming and seasons of rest and like same with our creativity. Yes. I like to think that like I can always go hard and like consistently challenge myself <laughs> and grow uh, and like be better than I was yesterday. That's the whole thing, right? The Mm-hmm. phrase I like lately is like the only person you're in competition with is yourself yesterday I'm like mm-hmm. I worked really hard yesterday <laughs> right <laughs> so I don't know I went up at each time 
but it's more. Well, yeah. Okay. Hold on. Let's zoom in there. I mean, yeah, what, yeah. how do you get better than you were yesterday while, um, and maybe you're still thinking about this, but how do you get better than you were yesterday while still main- maintaining a sense of um, some stability and calm? Yeah. For me, it's like, um, uh, like micro goals. And so it's like, if that just means like I, I uh, spent five more minutes deep diving on like some cinematography process or something like that. It's just like, I know today I, I know, no, I know more about, uh, that type of technique or that director's career, or, uh, I reached out to that person or I, I worked. If it, it's just the, the whole better than thing is a big question. So we just have to like make lift <laughs> or mental lifts. Or like you've got like your uh, rainbow of interests, you know, uh, I think a big part for my career, at least, is um, I don't just study like directing, um, but, uh, you know, psychology kind of stuff or like how to better communicate communication skills. It's like majority of what a lot of my job boils down to Um, how to better visually uh, articulate things in a meeting. Or whatever but then also you know i i do deep studies and i do a lot of online academies for like cinematography and editing and that kind of stuff and i do do side work and that kind of stuff but um they all help build toward the goal of being a better director and a better visual communicator and so the the better than yesterday thing is like it's i think a large part of this is understanding um how all of our pursuits are like multiple multiple rivers flowing into this big ocean sort of thing and tending to all those different gardens you know is that is that your analogy is that your yeah. metaphor that's awesome okay so just made it up on your show michael so say that again multiple streams flowing into one river multiple rivers yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean i dumped the 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 shark with the analogy really i said uh, multiple rivers flowing into the ocean of like what our craft and creation is and then i said but you have to tend to all those gardens but gardens is yeah. <laughs> actually yeah because but what you do have in rivers is like uh like i was just in minnesota uh last week uh with Alyssa. it was great in the family and they've got uh, beaver dams up there and those things block rivers and they change mm. environments and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, God bless the beavers, let them do their thing. But uh, for the analogy, just make sure your rivers are clear and flowing. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, I think there are some some beaver dams that that kind Let's of... Let's just say pollution dams. Because beavers should have... Their yeah. Let's, yeah, okay. So pollution yeah. in the river. Seeing <laughs> a beaver dam, um, it's they're fascinating. They're definitely fascinating. Um, I, I saw it. It's like, that is a structure. There's, they're hanging out in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they dive under. I mean, the, that's the, the grotto move. You go underwater and then you come up into your house. Like a diving bell. So cool. So cool. Wow. Um, so, okay. Let's talk about the, let's talk about these beaver dams on, and that, well, let's on the talk about our creative layers, our creative space. Um, uh, I, uh, another thing I was uh, maybe wanted to bring up, I don't know. I feel like I'm just jumping into different things. Is that okay? Um, you know what? You, I so here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Piloting the um, the answer is yes, but the long answer is I've been piloting this idea of I have a list of topics that I want to cover, and I usually don't tell them until the beginning of the interview. Right. But 
uh, like literally at the start, it's like, we're live. Hey, these are the topics. But we're live. Um, Pop quiz. Yeah. And it's sort of like, where do you want to start? So um, I've been trying out piloting for, for you and Addison, like, because uh, you were the last two interviews, like, here's the list. Um, yeah. So yeah. I would love to, you know, I, I think clearly it's inspired you. Uh, and clearly you're fired up and you have ideas. So um, I want you to go with it. And um, I do want to cover these and we'll, and I'll, I'll dip into some as we go, but I want you to keep riffing. Sure, sure. Uh, last thing then I think we should get on, because I uh, I liked your list and I, I think we should focus on it. Um, but just because we were talking about beavers and layers <laughs> and your hidden layer away from the fortress of solitude for creativity, you know, and mm. like, uh, mm. that's always hard to find. And, and, you know, there's the whole hierarchy of needs sort of thing. So it's like base level is like what, uh, shelter and then like, uh, food, water, family, and it builds all the way up to self-actualization. But I know like in my mm. early twenties, broke right out of college kind of kid, like shelter and all that kind of stuff, uh, living in an artist, multiple artist compounds and all that kind of thing. Uh, you, you find ways to, to make it work, of course, but the more you can like build or get those kind of things in order, uh, mm. that like, oh, I had to figure out when I was in my twenties, a budget is great for a creative person because a lot of this have ADD and we're all over the place. Um, and then you're just kind of in this financial push and pull with money and it's about like eliminating those stressors and that kind of stuff. So you can like be a better version of yourself and, and get there. Mm. So be that a clean house or like a budget for your thing or or you went running that day or actually meditated or whatever uh so much of it is just clearing out the space so we can make those it's it's like uh honing in on zones where we know we can be our best selves yeah so, i mean i was when you said the the rivers into the ocean metaphor all these separate projects of our grand project that is life kind of feeding into each other and when you said dams initially, um, I was like, there's always things blocking those projects, whether it's insecurities or whether it's money or whether it's anything on that hierarchy of needs, um, and kind of clearing those to make way for that, 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 uh, that flow and sort of a more peaceful flow too. Cause there was an episode and I think it was with it was with Lane Banning that we did and we talked about integration of influences, but I was like, it's also the tone through which they're integrated. Like there's a difference between, you know, um, going down a Spotify playlist like rapidly and kind of hearing the first like 45 seconds of a song one time with no intention to ever listen or even listen deeply, going to the next, going to the next and like sitting down with a full record or even th that playlist for however long it actually is and really like, embracing whatever it is that you're hearing, whether it's like good or bad subjectively. Um, so I think it speaks to what you were saying about this. There were times where like you were having these, um, these self-actualized moments in sort of a less traditional and stable environment per se, but like you're saying, you know, building these stable structures um, over time allows you to have those experiences and more stability. Uh, like you could have both basically. Yeah. And believe me, I'm not to self-actualize at all. But uh, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's about like a, it doesn't. You don't need to be a starving artist and need to like be an actual artist, and you don't have to torture yourself to to make great work. You know, I think there's definitely like a massive amount of like discipline and like 
commitment and like um, dedication that it all takes uh, to to actually hit like those strides, you know, the ivory glass ten thousand hours thing. Um, but yeah, it's a, about. I, I'm curious about, uh, and I'm always trying to work on this, like uh, getting myself into the deep work space. I imagine it's something that that you've probably discussed a lot, like how to find um, that and maintain it. Yeah, there's there's definitely. I mean, there's obviously like more marketed techniques of how to do it. Um, in, you know, several books and stuff. And I think, I think everyone has their own routine. And I think at the end of the day, you, you capture it, which is like, is a hierarchy of needs satisfied? Mm -hmm. And is it satisfied under an actual, uh, foundation that is like, is solid enough to really support it over the long term? And I think that's how you can get into deep work because I feel like almost one of the issues, and I'm no expert in this, and this is sort of a riff, but I feel like one of the issues with deep work is actually falling out of it, not getting into it. Like there's plenty of shit we can work deeply on. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of like, why are you not? Like what has pulled you away from that? And usually it's some instability or another idea, which in a way is instability of, of some sort. So that, well, that kind of, I was, I was doing this like a meditation course thing just on that calm app and nice. uh, the meditation teacher was some kind of a, I used to be a party guy and now I teach meditation. And I'm like, go for it. Sounds great. And he's got this, uh, it was like day 20 of 30 or whatever. And he had this really, uh, this phrase, you never know what little lessons will stick with you, but this one was great. And that he, uh, he had the phrase, welcome to the party. And it was basically, uh, while you're a big part of meditation, just coming back to that base, you know, cause we get pulled away and then it's the returning to it. And really that's what like sustained attention is. It's not so much like I'm going to grind in this and I have to focus on this so hard, but it's mm -hmm. working on the muscle that can bring you back to the subject, you know? Yes. And so clarifying that. And when all the different distractions come in, say the dog is, is, uh, wanting some attention, um, or whatever it is, uh, you just say, welcome to the party. You can encompass the, those kind of elements into it. We don't have to consistently play like fruit ninja with all the, the distractions. They can kind of, you know, it's a balance. Yeah, I think, I think that applies to so many things too. Um, Addison and I were talking about that, I believe last time, just sort of like, um, he had said something and I was like, yeah, you know, I still do that from time to time, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and basically like, I think with everything, it's, it's not about whether or not you do certain things or act certain ways or behave certain ways. Like it's also, do you recognize it soon enough to pull back soon enough to course correct soon enough to apologize or communicated or whatever it may be and soon not being fast soon just being at the pace that wouldn't cause any like unnecessary disruption you know to other people or your own life what do you mean soon enough to apologize it just like uh you well kind of if it affects someone else that behavior yeah. of like hey i'm working on this thing like get the fuck away from me or whatever you know like some like <laughs> you know, th like subconscious response just being like i'm grinding this is all that matters kind of thing yeah. Yeah. If that yeah. was the, you know, an example. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's like, um, I, I think the people in your life, you have to create those boundaries enough that like they can respect when you've got to jump into those spots or those zones or like, mm. I'll talk to you tomorrow or like, love you, bye bye, you know, see ya in the yeah. morning or whatever it is. You know, I often find I do, uh, some of my best editing work late at night. You know, so I'll just like, yeah, yeah. So I'll just prepare for 
uh, all right, tonight I'm going to work till three. And it's, 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 you know, usually when I clear out the time, uh, the world's quiet outside. I don't know about you, but like when, uh, when the sun's up and it's beautiful weather and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, let's see, editing on a computer right now or yeah. starting <laughs> just the sun setting. And then, you know, and that's part of it too. It's like, I, I, I can edit during the day. Um, but my more, uh, deeper inspired work can come later in the day and that's okay. And there's so much pressure on all of us to be morning creatures and at our desks by six 30 or whatever it is, you know, but yeah, you know, you touched on, you know, routine, deep work, uh, when you work. And I think those are interesting topics because there are those myths floating around of like, there's a way to work. Mm -hmm. And if you figure it, like if you read my book and do that, I mean, like you'll be, you know, like you'll be the best yeah. worker of all time, and the economy will reward you with medals and gold and all, you know a better you. Uh, what's that? A better you. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's funny because uh, a I don't know if it's funny, but it is kind of funny. Like one of the first things Christian and I ever talked about with this book was. He was like, so like, are you trying to write like a self-help kind of styled book? Not like full on self-help, but like, you know, where you're helping creatives in some way. I was like, that's like the complete opposite, actually, because I don't want to say like, he, like I fucking know everything about your life and how you should operate. I want to actually identify the, the, how do people operate? And over time we realized that it is on such a wide spectrum, um, mm -hmm. all of these different things, like the way people collaborate the way they integrate taste, the way they find play or don't find play or avoid play or embrace Like there's so many quadrants and such a wide spectrum of differences that rather than saying like, no, like you have to play all the time and that's the name of my book. And like, that's the name of the podcast. And like, you know, it's like, I can't argue for that or against it. Right. Like it's, it's, if that's how you've gotten all your work done, amazing, you know? And so what I love about these conversations is hearing what's your point of view on it? Because um, someone might identify with it. Someone might be like, oh, that's a new way of thinking. And some might completely disagree and it reinforces their method. So, well, I think some, yeah, but I think so much of it is, and, and uh, maybe your book can dive into this too. And, and it might be great for that. Cause I think a lot of creatives are on their own island. Uh, meaning like a, a lot of directors are on our, are on our own islands where, uh, I know how I direct, how I work and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not necessarily working with a bunch of different directors on their stuff, you know, or see how they work a process. That's why things like, uh, being able to shadow a director is so important. Or like I'm, I'm putting together like a director's club where me and a bunch of other weirdos right. can talk about like, uh, our work, how we're trying to approach it, give notes and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, uh, the book, your book sounds interesting in that I, I, I'm consistently interested in how other people do it. And if there's a way for me to even try a few of their techniques or a few things of like, oh, that makes sense. That's a good way to, to maybe go about that. Because I think we're all, we, sh we should consistently be our own uh, experiment, you know, and, mm. and finding what might uh, help us grow. Not, and, you know, in a lot of ways too, I always kind of laugh at the biohacking stuff, but I find, you know, just the right amount of coffee with the right amount of this and this and this. And although the whole discussion of coffee is bad for uh, creativity. Um, my, I haven't heard that. 
Yeah, yeah. I just heard the phrase the other day, and then I'm like, tell me more. Yeah, yeah. As I drink my bulletproof coffee, (laughs) (laughs) it combines biohacking and coffee. Like I'm not. I had that yesterday. Ran, and then uh, yeah, it went to war on me. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's intense. It's definitely intense. Um, Oh man, there's so much I want to get into here. I mean, this deep work thread and like. Um, can you expand upon maybe a recent time where you've been in that state and we can maybe dive into the context around that? Yeah. Yeah. So I recently went on a, a trip to Minnesota, as I mentioned earlier. And before that I was editing this, um, it was, it's a pretty cool, it's like a one minute commercial that, uh, uh, I'm putting together for this, uh, startup company. And it's, um, it's, I've been collecting all this footage. It's, it's interesting when you make like digital projects, cause you feel like you're a director, but like you're kind of just like a documentary film editor in a way, you know? And, uh, and so I'm putting together the story and all this stuff, but coming up against the travel time and the edit time. So I did a few late nights and I always find, um, I get better at this as I go. I'll come across, I'll start editing as the sun setting or whenever it is. Uh, and then I just like stay at the task and I'll hit these moments where oh, shoot, I need to cut this down. I'll build a sequence and it's like 30 seconds too long, something crazy like that. And out of a minute project, a minute, 30 long. And then uh, I'm like, okay, I want to finish this by 3 a.m. And my mind has been able to kind of like know, like I can throw myself in a well that's 20 feet deep and in two hours I can get out of that. And so like that's a lot of like editing and, and work is like you're consistently coming up against these problems or these walls but as we get more experience, I know I can like throw myself into a certain depth and I've got this amount of time. And it's just about knowing how your, your creative buoyancy, you know, and how you can like consistently get out of that kind of stuff. I know like the writers for uh, Breaking Bad would often do this thing <clears throat> where they, uh, they would write themselves into corners and they would they would get uh, stuck with their characters locked in a trailer surrounded by cops. And how are we going to get out of this? Mm. And and they would look forward to opportunities where they didn't know, you know, because then that definitely means the audience doesn't know. And then you have to, like, work on how can they get out of this moment? And, uh, you know, you work on that one moment for a week with genius people. You'll have a really interesting twist and turn, hopefully, you know, that's wow. Uh, creative buoyancy, first of all, is such a cool term. Um, and this idea of coming (laughs) up against these walls and trusting the process, trusting you can get out. Um, it's interesting because there's some people that, that seek stability, even in the creative field. Um, and that usually means not diving there, even though they likely could get out. It's like, there's that fear of like, well, what's down there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's interesting. That's something I always like try to practice. That's why it's resonated with me a lot. Like, how can I like do some, I got hired for a project and halfway through our discussions, I realized they need illustrations. They don't actually need like the PowerPoint template that they had asked for. And so it was a way different, but I was, was like, that, and w- so when you notice a difference like that, what is, is your first reaction to like excitement and slash like the freak out? Cause you just realized you're making a lot more work for yourself. Um, I've been really recently operating in such good faith where it's just like, this is the right thing. It's the right sure, thing. That's cool. And yeah, yeah. And then you can approach it with some peace. 
Yeah. Yeah. And if they know it's the right thing and I do, and even if I'm like, hey, this isn't me, but like I have 10 other friends that illustrate like, do you want to do this? Or it, that for this example, it's interesting is I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to take on this illustration project. That's great. Like, yeah. I went to school for visual communications or to get in, we had to take a drawing test. Like I know how to do it. I practiced sure. it for years, but I haven't done it recently, except mm -hmm. what I'm doodling on like Procreate on iPad. And I think it's good, but I've never really shared it with the world. And I said, and maybe not with the client too, where it's right. like a different level of expectation. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, let me, let me dive. Cause mm -hmm. what, what might happen was what, how I thought about it. Like, what am I going to learn getting out of this? You know, yeah. like on yeah, the way yeah. out of that wall, like, what am I going to learn? maybe I learned that's all I want to do for the rest of my life or the complete opposite or just a client engagement thing or whatever it is. And it was so fun. I had so much fun that's doing great. it. Yeah. And it, um, yeah, I mean, I would do it again. I really would. I, I think it was super fun. And, um, they approved it first pass, which was crazy. Oh, that's like, great. Congratulations. Which yeah. you know is the best feeling. I think yeah. I identify <laughs> with that. You're like, actually I had some notes. Can I, can I do another? Project? All my friends did, my designer friends. And I'm like, yeah, I totally agree. And they were like, love it. <laughs> they didn't, they loved it so much. They didn't even email me. They just like started using it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. It was that's like, perfect. But, but it, yeah, along with that whole thing, it's um, uh, throwing ourselves into like deep ends and then like learning, like to trust ourselves to get out. I feel like that's, that's been a lot of, um, and even <laughs> Uh, a lot of like, at least my career has been like, uh, okay, we're going to do, I guess this, this project for this band or this commercial or whatever. And these people trust me and maybe I haven't done this before, but I know how to pretend like I do. I know how to work at a much smaller scale and let's jump into it. And as I'm like swimming on set, I'm like, wow, there's like 25 crew members here and they're all looking at me for answers. And then like, you're like, well, don't think about that too long, Matthew. Just keep going. <laughs> you know, and then it's like, okay, I know how to, I know how to answer one question at a time. That's fine. I can do that. And I know I did the prep and the planning and I've watched enough, uh, like behind the scenes or shadowing or whatever it is. So I know, I know how they do the dance. Right. Um, and so it's, it's like a blind ambition, uh, and like, uh, not overthinking it and just kind of throwing yourself in. But, but then, uh, I don't know if this quite ties in, but we're talking about throwing ourselves in the deep end. In like uh, a week and a half, I'm going on like a three-week backpacking trip to the John Muir oh, wow. Trail. And like, uh, I'm terrified. <laughs> you know, it's 21 days out in the like super deep backcountry. Uh, and it's way longer than I've ever been out there uh, with a good friend who's, who's really smart about this stuff. But um, it's kind of the thing where it's like, well, if I do that, you know, my next goal career-wise is to keep doing some shorts and get deeper into commercial work, but to do my first feature, you know, to do my movie. And not that I need to do anything more to get to that place, but I think doing a three week aggressive way out there kind of journey like that, and then coming out of it, which I, I'm confident I can do, will just be one of those more is like, how deeper can you throw yourself into a situation and get out to show that you can do this, you know? And so, uh, maybe part of a artist's journey is to consistently challenge ourselves and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess I got to like turn my mentality to of like being scared about the trip and that's realistic and fine to more of like a uh, excitement to, to just be in the moment and experience it, you know? And again, like when I'm on set, 
and I can just be in the moment and look at the what's on the camera. What are we looking at? What are we capturing? How can we one up this? Consistently one up there. But mm. uh, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, throwing ourselves in the deep end, but then trying to be thankful for the journey as we're doing it. Yeah. Using previous journeys, like you mentioned, as a reflection of Mm -hmm. our capacity. I think that like, it's not like, it's not proof of what you could do, but it's proof that you can do things that are difficult (laughs) and make it out. And, you know, I wish you the, the, the most possible luck I can conjure from this whole galaxy for you. I know those Uh, are not easy trips and, um, it's good that you're going with someone who knows, knows the way. So, <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Ben, I appreciate that. Um, uh, uh, make sure to wear Patagonia and, uh, <laughs> you'll be good. I give them so much of my money. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Love that brand though. Um, but yeah, this diving into the deep end concept, you could argue that cr- like choosing a creative lifestyle is doing that. Um, oh, by the way, leave a uh, mountain emoji in the comments if you uh, want to wish him luck on his trip or a backpack emoji. They're, they both exist. I can, can vouch for it. Um, <laughs> it's a red backpack and a snow-capped gray mountain. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, creative buoyancy. Yeah, can you, can you pop back up? Um, I think it's something that in this industry where or in these industries where there aren't as many clear rules of how it works. There we go. Oh, there's two kinds of mountains. Nice. And I see Eric Leonard just joined. He's the buddy I'm going with. Ah, no way. There go. Yeah. What's up, yeah. Eric? What's up, Eric? Um, well, you know, choosing a creative career, creative profession is like jumping in. And I think then when you jump in, there's that other jump of how deeply are you going to explore the, the explore creativity for, uh, to reference the title of these talks, you know, like how deep are you going to go in and, and how are you going to come out? So I'm curious for you, like you mentioned people who trust you, um, and working with them allow you to kind of dive even deeper. Um, what else kind of enables that? Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of like, a. Well, just one more time on the people, finding those creative partners that, that you can like, um, like, you know, with like Alyssa, uh, we can just banter back and forth and it's a safe space and you can communicate clearly. Um, so finding creative partners that you can play with, you know, that you can, uh, that you can bounce back and forth with, or that you feel comfortable doing that. I know I've been, uh, you've been a part of my rose colored world journey with those guys. And I think uh, the communication between all of us has been so great. And a huge part of like, I think the success we've found is like, we're all there to do a great job. And if it needs to be more work, we're down to do that. But just the creative uh, freedom to explore ideas and, and to discuss things and the permission to try things. That's a huge thing, you know? Right. Yeah. And feeling like you don't have to hold yourself back because I think, Hey, you know, you, you don't regret the, the creative things you do. You regret the creative things you you didn't do you know whatever uh i find that when i look back on certain film sets or moments i could have done it's always the like i could have pushed for that one more and even though i i always feel you know brave enough on set to ask for what i want you want to have that level of respect for the time and the budget and everything that you don't want to ask for too much but if it would have taken it to that next level each time 
uh, you know, maybe it would have been worth it to, yeah, to do that. Um, there's, there's bravery inherently in choosing a creative profession and diving into it and, and mm -hmm. really pushing for even more of it in this world. Um, but it is, it's a brave, bravery is, is the word in that you're kind of up against a lot of people that think, and I was having this conversation last night with two friends, um, Lane and Colby about this lateral thinking, um, this ability to think divergently and think differently about um, problem solving. We're not really taught that when we're younger. So we're taught how to think very vertically, like very linearly and step-based. And it's, you know, in our early education, you play a little bit, but that's like a small part of your day. Then you go back in and you you get to work, you know, and you, you do, you copy or trace the thing ultimately. And um, uh, I, but yeah, and I think that, you know, when you, get out into the world and you choose a creative profession, you're already against a major current of sort of the way people are kind of wired and the way they, they operate. So a creative person in a room of, of I don't want to say non-creatives, but you get what I mean, um, uh, that have chosen a different role per se. Um, mm -hmm. It sometimes feels like swimming against the current. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I definitely grew up kind of the uh, black sheep of uh, you know, some conservative family, then like a creative kid moves to LA, everybody else stayed back home. And my family also moved from Minnesota and I like the best people ever, but I always put it on myself that I was different. And maybe that's because I was one of the few to like, uh, go explore a career in the arts. But, um, that feeling of being different, uh, used to give me like, uh, something where I would judge them more uh, friends or family or whoever more, because I felt, um, it, that was just like an insecurity based off of, uh, seeing that they were like content and happy and good at life. And I was trying to, uh, pursue this other kind of thing that has a different reward system and a different, mm -hmm. um, path. And it's, uh, the sooner we can stop judging, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, being a creative in a room full of uh, suits, a corporate kind of thing or whatever it is. Um, but the sooner we can stop judging a fish cause he can't fly, you know, that, that's something I've always kind of enjoyed just to like, yeah, but have you seen him swim? Like different strengths. And right. The, right. Exactly. The lizard evolved to the bird and, and, uh, he doesn't talk about how he used to be a great runner, you know, he's flying. So it's, uh, speaking tangentially like uh, like a non-linear structure as you're talking about my mind i think naturally is that <laughs> so i think a lot of add people are creative because their minds are good at uh free associations you know jumping yes. around to all these different kinds of things but i think a big part of that too is um and this is something we've all talked about, or we talked about earlier is that there's um there's a lot of pressure on people to uh there's a you know uh, be the expert, be the, be the super structured person that's super successful. Um, and that's your key to it and whatever it is, but creatives, I think are born with a different kind of mind and different structure. And a lot of, I think our, our hopeful success is to get ourselves out of this, uh, comparison to the rest of the world. And I think a, a lot of artists, you know, uh, we, uh, they inherently fall into addictions and all this kind of up because we live in wild cultures but it's also 
um, we, I think there's a lot of shame and shame is like the number one driver for addiction. Uh, and I think a lot of that shame comes from, we have lives that are so different than what might be expected by society, um, be yeah. that structure or whatever it is. Um, so it's, it's, uh, you know, I think we're consistently have to compare ourselves to others and we build chips on our shoulders and act like we're better than others or whatever it is, you know? Um, but that's all just the divisive kind of mentality that, that pulls us apart from our, our fellow humans. Um, it's, it's, you know, I think a lot of creativity should be returning to that oneness and, and, uh, anywho, oh, that was a long rant about a lot of different things. Well, to, to paraphrase some of it, yeah. um, we, we talked about, you know, working with partners and I brought up, you know, um, when it almost feels like you're swimming against the current sometimes with the way people are wired and the way you are wired. And you were talking about this unintentional judgment of others that, uh, comes out when we're someone that's pursuing the arts and they're not. Um, and that I've never heard it stated ever in my life that phrase and that line uh and it, it it's so true i think it happens without us knowing i think the unintentional judgment is still judgment we just don't even recognize it it shows up differently and like you said addictions and shame and all these things are really like the manifestation of us pursuing success for the creative which would be really success which is what you said is getting out of the shame of the expectation of that other side and saying, I'm on this side, this is where I am. Um, this is how I'm wired. This is what I'm pursuing. And yeah, yeah. Well, oh, that's, the that's funny beautiful. thing is like, we're, we're almost seeking like a, we're leaving the, the, the normal path. Like how do, how do artists define a lot of success sometimes? And it's hard to say, but it's like, we are naturally driven to swim this way and all the birds are flying this way. And then we get enough success in this alternative path to then be recognized by the the people that are on this path you know so right one i i know i have dreams where i'm like oh i directed that mainstream movie and i did the i did the damn thing and here i am and someone randomly knows that movie who my family introduced me to or whatever it's just that moment of like being uh recognized is that like the weird thing that we seek secretly it's like i'm a creative and I'm on this path and my goal is that my goal is to like personally like make work that is reward to myself and hopefully contributes to humankind but whatever that means uh populist director that's that's mm. I love that kind of thing um but but that weird mainstream recognition thing and I think part of that is because uh artists have shame for being on this alternate path and even though we all kind of chips on our shoulders and pretend like we don't I think it's it programmed into us from an early age to like, you know, we yeah. have that in. That's what I was uh, mentioning earlier about kind of elementary age. And I interviewed Lauren Carp, who's a t uh, an art teacher, actually, uh, <laughs> two episodes back. Um, and how like from an early, like when you're, she teaches um, elementary, middle and high school. And I'm teaching students that are like college age right now. So we're kind of comparing the journeys, how to, how does a student evolve? What's their relationship with creativity? How does it change over the years? And she's like, the really young ones are still in the exploratory phase. So they just think they're like great at everything. But after that phase becomes like full judgment of like, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? And it's like, 
what is the word right in that context even? And so you're in a way, there's a lot of forces at play as to probably why this is happening. You're not being taught that right can also be lateral. Um, and, you know, and that's one. And I don't want to say like, there's a reason why this is happening, but it's <laughs> like, oh, my other class is there's a right answer. Like, why is this one the one where there's not? Well, I think part of it, yeah, that I hear you for sure. Um, I think part of it is uh, the Ira Glass thing, which I said earlier, is that we, I think we, and we start in a creation stage, you know, which is fun for expression, but then we grow uh, a sense of taste. And, and then once you have a sense of taste, now you have a language. Now you can uh, compare and contrast and build upon things. And uh, all of a sudden your taste isn't matching your work and your work is leads below what you're seeing other people do and what you think mm -hmm. is cool. And uh, you're consistently missing the mark. And uh, we have access to, you know, infinite quality art out there now. So it's, there's a huge divide now. And it's, it's allowing yourself the permission to just, you know, keep working at it, keep trying, keep making a million versions of these things and growing. So hopefully you can eventually make something that matches what, mm -hmm. what your taste is. So. It's just different. Uh, I think we evolve and grow different uh, skill sets at different rates. And the actual craft of, of a thing is so much harder than being able to criticize it or, yeah, mm. or criticize things, whatever that is. Uh, yeah, I mean, the path to judgment is a lot more quickly developed. And that's probably an evolutionary thing, you know, mm. to be able to like judge things is, is uh, life and death where the ability to do them are important. But not so immediate. Mm. Yeah, that decisiveness is like <laughs> something that we instinctually need to and should develop. Um, mm -hmm. But it's interesting. It's like, how can you be decisive in a subjective craft? And I think to Ira Glass's quote, to, to reference that, and the point he's making is that really what you're doing is developing your own version of right by influences and integration and trying things and like, where it feels right to you is the only real objective, even though it's subjective, but it's, it feels subjective. It's the most objective you're going to get in the creative space, um, to what is right. Uh, unless it's a client project and there's like them signing off is ultimately what's right. Um, sure. Yeah, and hopefully you find uh, something that, that you can hold. By right, I don't mean ethical in all situations. I mean, like, like the answer, what is the the solution for this problem? <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. it, to, to give it an analogy to like math or the sciences, you know? Uh, well, and then sometimes I find in creativity and you can make false problems for yourself. You all, you often hear about the director that put in every uh, X rated, R rated thing he could in the movie, knowing that the, the ratings people would give him like a lot of notes and he'd be like, okay, I removed all half of those notes. And you yeah, know, this is the original film he wanted. Like Abe Lincoln did a similar thing. You negotiate with 20,000 asks and then you, you give them a bunch of them and you still get what you wanted in the end. So right. uh, in terms of right answers, there's ways to manipulate um, what what uh, that definition is too. And that's part of the fun, you know? Yeah, because it, I mean, at the end of the day, like knowing that you're entering into a subjective space Mm -hmm. I almost find that I don't want to just make a claim that I don't know if it's fully true. So internet, I'm making a claim mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's true, uh, but it might be true for one or three people. 
I believe that people get into creative spaces before realizing that they're subjective. Like they pursue creative work without realizing, oh, wait, like this is completely subjective. Like I'm about to enter into like the real unknown. Like (laughs) there is no right answer here. And part of the development of a creative, like you mentioned earlier, is like like that success is um, not judging others for not doing it, but also um, being comfortable with the subjectivity um, and learning how to operate within that space, whether that's like defining your taste really well, or your collaborators or whatever it may be. So that's yeah. just a off the cuff thought I just had. No, absolutely. And, and I think so much uh, early on, like a creative cultivation of like my, my uh, nieces and nephews, uh, I've got five of them and they're all creative in their different ways, but it's, it's so cool to see them at this stage uh, where they're just creating and having fun and just playtime. Um, and I find I'm so protective over every word I say when they ask about their work or when they show me the things. Cause mm. I know for me, like I still have a few catchphrases from when I was growing up and, uh, Dr. Brene Brown calls them art scars. You know, mm. you, you show your painting to the class or the, the thing, uh, your poem or whatever it is you present it. And if someone doesn't receive that in the right way and they shame you for it or embarrass you for it or whatever that is, uh, those can completely define your mm. idea of your own creative expression because it's such a subjective thing and we're all amorphous entering that space when a cleaver comes down to make some hard boundary you know and that was a painful experience we tend to like avoid that whole river that's what i about it uh, there's the dam creative a creative scars is a, is a dam in the river of, of uh, our flows uh but yeah, so I, I find I'm so, you know, and, and sometimes just try to encourage the like, oh, wow, well, I could tell you worked really hard on that, you know, or, or encourage the time or the effort put into it or the uh, the freedom of expression, whatever it is. But to like uh, judge anybody, yeah, especially that, yeah, whatever, on like the craft of it all. And sometimes the craft is impressive. Sometimes though, painting yeah. color sunset. <laughs> but yeah. Or this fun representation of a dog in a family lined up with a triangle for a house, you know? (laughs) But I mean, if that's the deepest their language can go at that time, like that's an amazing expression of the depth of their visual communication, you know? Um, I had this conversation with um, someone. So um, I've been teaching uh, for the last four weeks now. Mm -hmm. And last week, there was a whole thing about grading. Uh, one of the, the other teachers, so there's two teachers teaching the same class, or one other teacher teaching the same class I am. So now there's this like students talking about what I'm giving for homework or sharing in class versus what she is. And like, uh, there's, there's um, at times not the one for one, right? And grading has been an issue where people think they need like a three out of three and really they just need a two. That's like, passing for them. Um, Mm -hmm. I can get into the whole depth of it. Just understand that simple concept, basically. Two teachers grading a little bit differently. I'm giving threes a lot more than the other teacher is. So I was asked why. Um, Why was I giving that many threes? And my reasoning was the same reason I would give 
to your cousins when they're making or nephews or nieces when they're making art. And it's like, this is the first time these people are ever doing this thing. And the fact that like, one, it's not complete shit. Two, it's turned in. Three, like I know they spent as much of their mental and emotional bandwidth they possibly could on it. Um, yeah. Even if it wasn't that much time for them because they couldn't <laughs> mentally or emotionally or physically. Like it's here and like, it's good. It's not bad. And yeah. if, if three doesn't matter for the success of the course, then I'm going to give the three because why not? Like mm -hmm. let them have that boost of like, okay, I'm making progress. That was really difficult and progress is being made. And trying new things is so exhausting. <laughs> like the yeah. workout or, or yeah. trying a new instrument, you play guitar for the first time, whatever. The streams are killing your fingers. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it, everything is very hard the first time. We're all bad and we all start in a, in a poor skills place. Uh, so to reward people for just making the effort to grit it out, to get through an assignment on something new like that, I, I totally get it. Yeah. But it also sounds like you and me would be like the really nice teachers that like everybody passes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't feel you. You tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like, but honestly, dude, like the, I think what it is, it's sort of two things happening at once. It's like, you show up as your authentic self. This is what I've found. Um, like, for example, homework was supposed to be due Tuesdays. That's what like the school said. But I'm like, well, Tuesdays, like at the end of the day which means that I would have to grade it on Wednesdays, but I do this live every Wednesday. So I'm like, I'm not going to have time to grade it until after this live guaranteed. So in class, like there was one really difficult assignment that the school had not planned for how long it would actually take. The students reached out to me. We talked about it in class and I was like, look, I'm not going to look at your homework until Wednesday at like 3.30, 4 o'clock um, Eastern time. So like, if it's, if you send it by then, like we're good. But like yeah. that transparency, I sent out a survey to like, to gauge the, um, the, the response to my class, all anonymous. And that was something they brought up. Like the fact that you bring your whole self, the fact that you're honest with us and real, like they show up in return. Cause it's like, you know, there's no, there's no black box, you know, it's just everyone looking out for each other and, and trying to do a good job, which is how the world works when it's at its best. Yeah, you're not making arbitrary uh, rules and things where people feel like they have to fall into a line. I mean, I get some, it's funny, we're, we're bouncing back and forth between the idea of like having enough structure and balance in your life that you can navigate these things and, and find that uh, that hierarchy of need to or a temple of solitude or whatever it is, <laughs> fortress of solitude. Uh, so massive structure and self-improvement and then complete freedom and lack of judgment. So it's like, yeah, you, it, it reminds me of like those, those, you see the, the man on the, the trail and he's got like the little bundle of fire and he's trying to carry it to, to the mountaintop village, you know? So it's like, he's protecting that little thing. So it's like, we, we got to get to that sanctuary and then we can let the flames grow kind of, mm. you know? Yeah. It's yeah. And that's, that's a big part of it for me. It's like, and then being able to show up when I, when I am going to do the work, uh, you know, it takes a lot of work for me to get to those spaces sometimes, but, but to make sure I have enough energy, uh, to then do the thing when I, when I finally get there, you know, you, you run so far to finally get to that mountaintop. Hopefully you have enough energy to enjoy the view or to play or whatever it is. I, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that's yeah. 
Yeah, I think that preservation of the naivety, the innocence, the newness, the fear that comes with like doing a new thing that's hard. Um, If you can help foster that flame so they can get it to the mountaintop, I think that's a great metaphor, by the way. And I love nature metaphors, so you have me. I just noticed Sarkis just joined, so he he does as well. Um, I think that's huge. Like give, giving a student a three who I know is just going through it so hard, like trying their best. Like I remember when I first started learning about this stuff, it was a nightmare. I was so confused and lost. And it's like, you did it. You got to class, you showed up, you're on time. It was delivered on time, no spelling errors. Like it was readable, understandable. It wasn't the best, it wasn't my best work, but it was definitely your best work, you know? And um, for now, yeah, and yeah. It, it might be your only work if I if I stomp that now, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. that's what I, that is my concern. And that's what I expressed to the school and they were totally open about it, which was great. Um, well, and then, uh, yeah, I totally hear that. And then another thing I think we could quickly touch on is to like how to heal our art scars. Cause I think a lot of artists all have them. And I think for me, at least I, I know it's uh, steered my career in that, like I had uh, some like learning, learning disabilities growing up and that sort of thing. Um, and I had a huge fear of like public reading. And uh, cause I had a few teachers growing up that like, you know, they put you on the spot, you get embarrassed. And then you start to think a certain way about yourself. And that drives a lot of your education and, and your creative endeavors. And I found, uh, and I don't know, cart before the horse, but I, I've always been a very visual director. Um, and, and that's driven a lot of my work, but, but the more recently, uh, I've been focusing more on working with actors and exploring more of the emotional depths. And part of that is like me, just like, uh, growing emotionally and more uh, vulnerable as a human and like learning that side of myself more. Um, but a lot of it too is, uh, me coming to grips, you know, through therapy and all that kind of stuff too, of like, oh, I went through those bad experiences with teachers and they guided me in a certain way away from like the written word. And so now I've been like exploring that more and setting that more and want to let myself write mm-hmm. again and, and, mm-hmm. and experience all those things because those art scars, like we talked about those dams, they really stop those kind of things. But I have so much, I feel like at least for myself to write and to explore that. But that part of me was kind of shut off at an early age because of some of those moments where if it was more like cultivated and loved, like maybe that river would be clear and I'd be fine. So right. it's never too late to, to reapproach those things. But part of it, you know, uh, I think artists should, should explore therapy and EMDR therapy. That's really great too, for, for releasing yourself from those kind of trapped mental states or the potentially, you know, I'm not a, therapist or anything can make recommendations but emdr therapy was cool for me so i i recommend it well i want to um acknowledge and appreciate the fact that you are vulnerable enough to talk about therapy Uh, i know some people are shy away from it although i did hear in new york people don't talk about therapy but no in the south you know i'm talking about therapy in la you like only talk about therapy like um, so maybe it's not, I, I have some friends that are like, if you're not in therapy, I won't date you. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> real, for real. But, um, no, it, it's important to acknowledge that I think part of 
living a fulfilling creative life and living a life that feels successful as you kind of go through that journey, it does require, you know, reorienting and reconfiguring your mind and the impulses and, and the narratives um, mm-hmm. that come with it. And part of those narratives to Brene Brown's point about art scars, part of those, a part of that narrative is about creative work. It's about mm-hmm. the arts. Um, I mean, I had that, dude, I didn't study design for, I went to three different colleges and mm-hmm. didn't study design and was going to uh, drop out completely and just never mm-hmm. go to school again because yeah. my parents shamed me when I was a sure. kid. But yeah, as soon but... as I learned design, I fucking loved it, dude. Loved it. Yeah. It was my yeah. favorite thing. And I remember going to my parents, like after I, I don't know what I had made, but I was like in my head, I was just amped. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And they're like, you can't pursue this. Like, there's no money in it. It's not it's like, it's totally risky. Look at me now, mom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> y'all. No, but like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, dude, I was, I was so anti- I mean, I wasn't anti-design. I was so conflicted about design for so long until I had exhausted all these other options and said, there's nothing else that I really like care that much about and have committed myself that much to. Um, so that was definitely, I mean. When you can find really something that you can pour yourself up. into, that's a really good guiding light too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And advice for uh, for parents, uh, <laughs> you know, well, with creative kids, like. And all this, uh, one last thing on the great short book on the subject is, uh, you know, there's the classic, uh, the art of war, uh, about combat mm-hmm. and then, and war strategy. And then there's, uh, the war of art, which is, uh, you know, cute little play on words there, but, uh, it, <laughs> it's, it's all about, uh, kind of, a seeing, uh, the creativity within us and, and all that is like the muse and kind of personifying it and seeing it as like a character that we can uh, cultivate and get to know and, uh, curate and take care of. And we know, and kind of first personifying, oh, there's like the part of the creativity, the doubter or the insecurity or whatever it is being able to kind of like label those things or put names to them or kind of put little markers on them when they pop up in your head, the meditation technique called noting when you're like, and there's a thought and there's a feeling and there's my insecurity and there's my self-judgment. And, uh, there's my procrastination, you know, just being able to see these things and mark them as we go. Um, but yeah, the war of art, easy read, highly recommend. I I didn't really quite paraphrase it well, but the idea of of personifying the muse and being able to welcome it into your space and all that kind of stuff is kind of just a bit. Yeah. I mean, that, that preservation topic has been something we kind of hit on right from the beginning about Mm -hmm. the damn. Uh, you know, blocking the river, you know, it's. Yeah. Do we so like the, the dam and the river or do we like the fire carrier up to the village up the mountain during the rain? I know. I do like that. I was actually in tears thinking about that as you said it for real. I, I like. What, what if you carried it up and then metaphor. Lit, lit like an Olympic torch and then the torch like burned the beaver dams and that's the point of it. What if the what if the wood was from the beaver dam? You take it, you uh, light oh, it. Yeah. One piece. Don't disrupt the whole, you know, ecosystem. But just one piece, one little piece. I, I like the idea of you carry the flame up to the creative space and then you light something that somehow frees the river. They don't quite connect, but like think of it like really wonky stuff. Yeah. Dynamite comes and 
Oh, yeah, yeah, do they ever take it down? Do beavers ever take those things down or what happens? You no, know, it's a good question. I wonder if they're like multi-generational. It's like someday I'll in inherit <laughs> grandpa beavers. This will all massive uh, dam. This will all be mine. As far as the tail can slap. Yeah. I don't know. I once was on a hike and I don't want to call it bravery. I would call it more stupidity. Makes sure. meets with adventurous. Uh, uh -huh. And right. I was walking and the soil was like super loose and I could just tell it was like loose, but I thought it was a like kind of muddy loose. But then I was like, yo, it's starting to get like falling into the water loose. Quicksand. And bam, right in the water. Um, and there was a beaver dam like right, like mm. so close next to me. And dude, like I swear, I felt the beavers like swimming all over. Like just, Ooh. it was the most frightening thing I've ever, so as soon as the beaver dam, I'm like, that's, that's where, that's my uh, beaver scars for you. I know you're, you're, it's funny, like a uh, part of uh, one last thing in creativity, not one last thing, uh, one last but thing, our, 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 the last one. Okay, our ability to imagine things is part of why we pursue the arts. And then that also allows us to be so creative with our anxieties. So you're probably like imagining mm. a visual of a beaver eating your life bone like wood. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, and, uh, like all the scary movies, like all yeah. anything underwater that's bad was there in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great point. Mm. Well, I'm gonna look at some topics here. Did you ever fall out of love with the work? Was there ever a um, moment where? Yeah, I, it's interesting. Different things can kind of do that to you. I find um, I would, uh, I thought I'd never do another music video again when, when I uh, did one a bit ago. And then I kind of have my my uh, name taken off of it when they released it on the internet. And uh, that was tough because I was like, uh, me and the artist had, you know, our arguments, but you don't expect someone to kind of take your name off of a piece of work, you know, mm. and and that kind of thing, uh, I don't know what I call contemporary art scars or later, but but you hit these walls where you're like, well, I think I'm done with that kind of sector. And you'd go through different waves. Mm -hmm. And then uh, luckily with, with the Rose Colored World, I was, you know, I fell in love with their music first and I've known them for so long. But um, the right, you know, if the right partner can come along, he can teach you to love again. And and you'll you'll fall back in love with a different kind of uh, part of the process, and and uh, remember why you're there, and then hopefully bring in all the things you've learned along the way. Because I find, um, uh, yeah, as I'm studying more performances and actors and how to communicate with them and, and cinematography and all that, the the goal is to integrate all of our, you know, we're a martial artist out there, and now I want to incorporate all my new kicks into this next fight, you know. And so, uh, it's, uh, challenging yourself to one up it, but then sometimes stripping it down for me, a lot of the, the love lately has been, I went through a whole phase of, uh, getting my own camera and then studying cinematography and all that kind of stuff. So that I could, um, be more independent with creating, didn't need to require so much on, uh, producers and their budgets and big crews because right. everything was kind of getting a bit inflated. And then during pandemic times, I'm like, well, I still want to be creating right now. Um, even though, you know, the world's kind of shut down. So how do I make something where it's just me doing it? Um, that allowed me to reapproach the work, study new subjects and, mm -hmm. and create, uh, something that, that felt free and all that. And, 
And I think I've come full circle on it where I enjoy cinematography because I studied so he- so heavily because I was actually doing it totally different than just studying it, but mm-hmm. studying it and then having to implement something or, or actually mm-hmm. do it. So I recommend if, if you're ever studying a subject, actually do the damn thing, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I definitely learned through that process while I enjoy all that lighting and now I can communicate better with my crew and cinematographer and all that. Um, and I can use those, that new knowledge to help tell stories when I'm exploring them visually. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to fully pursue being a cinematographer. I think I love being a cameraman, but I think my main focus is like, um, directing and then at times, uh, camera operating because I'm working on this space where I'm really intimate with the actors during rehearsal. Like we create a safe space and then I can like, rather than them, it's, it's interesting. You rehearse right. these actors, you find a safe space where we're finding this flow. And then I'm like, okay, great. Now here's a stranger yeah. with a bunch of equipment. Right. And then yeah. now they're in our dinner party, you know? Um, but if mm-hmm. I can then just like bring the camera on and we can all feel comfortable with each other. Obviously there's the rest of the crew and everything else, but uh, there's a, just an, an intimacy and a trust that I'm, I've been exploring lately with my work that's been really satisfying. So it's... um. Falling back in love with the work, sometimes you just need to take big steps back, take breaks, uh, and then try a different uh, subsection of that craft. I could see, you know, just an example. If you were to get stagnant, maybe you just get obsessed with photography for a while. And then, like, I did. The, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you kind of, uh, you bring in that mentality or the skills you learn there or, or tricks of the minds that. You know, we're all little dream weavers. So you, you find new things that bring in. Um, but yeah, I think it's natural to fall out of love at different times with the work. Um, and then, you know, the important thing at that time is to not, you know, <laughs> what's, uh, uh, the gross job, but whatever, uh, what, what, what do, what do farts and love have in common? If you're forcing too hard, you, it, it turns into shit. Um, so, uh, but it's true. It, you we have a poop emoji in the chat. Yeah. But you know, falling out of love with, with, uh, with your creativity or your work or whatever, give yourself that break. If you feel that pull, um, cause you can always return it. It's not gonna, the world's not gonna fall away from you. So hopefully, um, you know, take a step back and then come back like Simone Biles and win that bronze, you know? For real, for real. You know, I've thought about that in my own career. I took a complete step away from doing user experience design, you know, designing apps and and that sort of thing. And I've grown so much appreciation for it over the last two years, building my own business, building essentially products of my own that I'm selling into the world. And my appreciation is two and a half years now. Anyway, a lot of years now, (laughs) it feels. where I'm developing an appreciation for it again in a different way. Like there's a matured appreciation for it and a matured appreciation towards the collaborations and sort of the um, limitations and the freedom and all of the different things. So, uh, and now teaching classes on it has been a complete renewal of appreciation for it. It's like, there's this dormant skill that I have um, that I haven't personally been practicing like very recently but like, I'm so passionate about it. I care so much about it. It's so like teaching this class reminds you. So yeah, it's amazing. Like just what taking a step back will do. 
Yeah. Do you find the the old adage to be true for your case where if you really want to learn something, teach it? Um, or, uh, if you can't do teach, no, is that old adage? No, no, I'm, I'm uh, you're a poser. If you want to learn something, teach. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. like you were saying, like the way I've always, um, interact, engaged with books that I'm reading is that I read and I always read typically, uh, nonfiction books that are on the topics that I'm trying to pursue. And so I'm, uh, what you said about implementing it right away is what I've always done in the workplace and whatnot. And so I've always kind of been a de facto like teacher in these environments where like I'd be learning about these product design processes or like tools or whatever, and then bringing that into the team and sharing that and disseminating that. Um, so I was always doing that then and now like very structured and like, you know, but I mean, there was even structure then I would run seminars and things like that. Uh, so I, I do think it helps me remember it, but it also like, it also brings new questions to the original question, right? which in this case would be like, how do I do UX design? Well, someone asking you a question about some topic you just presented is the best way to either, you know, on your feet, figure it out or collectively figure it out. And so yeah, I think, um, I, I, I do think the adage is true as they tend to be. Yeah. And, and I think even the idea is like now all of a sudden you have to articulate it to someone else. There has to be a structure around how you're doing it where a lot of like the things that I know for my skill sets are an amalgamation of so many things, but mm. what are you leaving behind and all that? And when, you know, back to the basics, so you have to build that structure to teach someone this reminds yeah. me of all that. Yeah. There's, it's such an art, man. I mean, I spent, they gave me a curriculum and I was like, I, I'm teaching this my own way. Like I, I want to really scaffold it well. I mean, I've stuck, it's meta, but like I was working to build apps for education my whole career. Cool. So I've been in schools and every level doing research into how like sure. schools function and teachers teach and all these things. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, I want to bring all of that to how I'm teaching and oh, some good. leave some of it behind. And so I rewrote this curriculum. Um, and man, it's a total design project in and of itself. Like, how do you scaffold an idea and build it up enough that like you get to the end of a class and, and they have a more developed sense of an idea that they didn't before, you know, just showing the definition and being like, that's the concept. Like now you have it. it, it it's not how things go. Um, that's so cool that you can, you can bring in your body of work and all your education that you've done on the actual subject and try to implement it. That's that. I mean, that's the hardest part of it all. You know, you, we can study for so long, but if you're not actually doing the thing, you know, I, I bet I, after you, you've taught for a while, it'll bring any next thing you do in that field to such another level. Yeah. And I think that's part of, and I, I don't want to make this less about me, but it's so easy to talk to you that, uh, and that's something I was looking forward to having this conversation because from our first, uh, hang, I was like, this dude's super easy to talk to. Oh, thanks. It's a skill. It's definitely a skill, man. Um, I appreciate that. You know, yeah, like, um, I forgot who was saying it, but this idea of just like, I've really been practicing personally, like not looking too far out, too far forward, just trusting like where I'm at, if I fully believe that it's right, if it's integrating things that I loved in the past and still love, um, that like something positive will come from it. And then this teaching gig, like, 
I put my whole soul into it. I put the last decade of my life or more into it from what I learned and what I researched. Um, and then like that class is ending and I, I, so I guess the first time I'm announcing publicly, like I got another teaching gig right after that from them and potentially even more, uh, we're figuring it out tomorrow actually. So, or Friday. So I didn't know what would happen in my head. I said, after this class, I want to teach like primarily, but mm -hmm. all I can do right now is just be in this like a hundred percent. And, uh, practicing that is, has been difficult for me personally. Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. The, uh, the practicing the being a hundred percent into something in the moment of the thing and like, yeah. And yeah. Well, I th think that's a rather large ask. I understand that this is like so important and so huge, but I think, you know, a big part of what we've been talking about is, you know, we go through like deep work, but those are like, you know, short little, they're not consistent over so long. So, you yeah. know, it's like, maybe you'll get like four hours of good deep work in or something like that, you know, but it, I don't know if I can do that more than like, you know, a handful of, of four times a week, maybe of like really quality deep zones, Definitely. you know? So like, how can we expect ourselves to like hundred percent be into anything? It, I think that, that let me, let me just refine my language. What I meant was sure, sure. And in the presence, not hundred yeah. percent doing it a hundred percent of the time. Sure. Uh, yeah. 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 I did about three and a half to four days at, at the like deepest of deep work. Yeah. 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 For each class. But yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I think in the past I've historically looked forward maybe mm -hmm. too much. Sure. It was like sure. giving me such ridiculous anxiety and nothing was happening <laughs> uh, or happening too slow. Yeah. Um, or in the past and like, then it was just depression and like, just not mm -hmm. really doing much either. So, sure. um, that's more what I've been practicing personally, because I think it really helps the creative work when you could just commit to it, um, mm -hmm. in the moment as it's evolving and becoming a thing. But anyway, enough about me. I want to hear your thoughts on all this. Uh, on, uh, uh, my, my thoughts on what my friend. <laughs> well, if you have any reflections on that and if not, well, I'll choose another topic. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of it, we all kind of become our own teachers uh, on our own paths. You know, how do we study? How do we learn? Um, and and the the gift of being able to do that for others, I think, is is only gonna help you on your journey. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to see what 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 this brings to you. And I can already tell, like, yeah. a, you seem like you've you've got a real grounded sense of purpose right now, which is nice. Yeah, yeah that's great to see. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I definitely do, and it's. I think it was difficult for a minute where there mm -hmm. wasn't that clear purpose and then you find yeah. it and it's like, you want to preserve that. I think that's why that metaphor probably struck me so, so deeply. Um, um, yeah. What, what's next on our, on our, what's next on the list? Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've covered a bunch. Um, imposter syndrome is sort of this memefied term that in the school, when I was joining it, they were like, a lot of the students talk about this and fear that. Um, and, ooh, there's a question here. Um, mm -hmm. I'm gonna wait, it looks like they're mid, mid question, then I'll answer that. Um, okay. uh, imposter syndrome, imposter yeah. So, so, memefied. Yeah, 
the um, the teachers were like, you know, the students really have this sense of imposter syndrome, and uh, you know, maybe you can talk about it or or whatnot. Um, have you thought about that? Have you ever felt like, you know, the the dumbest guy in the room, or like the least talented, or the the most non role of whatever role you were pursuing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not not only it's uh it. What what is it? It's like a lot of creatives are empaths and like we are sensitive creatures and uh, we unfortunately seek some kind of validation and we're so quick to put others on pedestals that, you know, I think we're naturally so inclined to have imposter syndrome. Uh, And so, you know, again, it comes down to like being able to throw yourself into space that you're not comfortable in, learning to swim out of them consistently um, and you'll get through that. But you know, we, we can all do things with imposter syndrome. It's like, if, if I want to direct a movie coming up, I, I, uh, study some of the best directors and, and see how they operate a set, see how they communicate, see how they prepare and plan. And then you jump into a situation and I haven't done that before, but I know how to do all these steps and I know how to kind of put on the show and present myself in a certain way that, that I can at least keep a ship running, you know? So imposter syndrome is so real but if we can just um at least give ourselves some kind of a training wheel or or bumpers or whatever it is to to know how to you know study the role a little bit study study the study how that cast member plays it um and then you can it, it's okay to be an imposter for a bit is what i'm saying yeah it's okay it's okay yeah. to, to 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 get in there but just try not to uh waste the opportunity and waste everybody's time and prepare as much as you can, but we're all stepping out into the unknown consistently always. And like, I guess we can always judge ourselves. I, you know, and it's funny too, imposter syndrome is one of those things where it kind of just, I think lives inside of us in a way, you know, like even as we get older, uh, and then hopefully you can have moments where like, Hey, take a second and go look back on your work, go reflect upon what you've accomplished. Cause at this point, maybe you've got. 10 music videos under your belt or like maybe you've done five songs and you're like, or whatever it is. Um, go back and look at those and realize I got through all those challenges and all those things and created that work that some people connect to. And I know I can do better or grow in certain ways, but yeah, it's, you know, imposter syndrome, something, hopefully we grow out of a bit, but I think that it, um, it's okay to feel it and it's okay to be in it because it happens that it's natural and we don't need to be like, oh no, you're feeling that thing that everybody else feels when they jump up to the next ring of success. Like, that's okay. Feel it, experience it. Yeah. And, uh, and welcome it. you know, like the meditation technique we talked about, welcome to the party, you know? So it's like, right. That, that feeling can be there, but just allow it to. And, um, and we can hopefully just embrace it and, go on but yeah there's ways to like be a better imposter if we're going to be an imposter might as well be good at the role you know so study it and pretend uh implement and and enact as many of those techniques as you can so if you're going to be a you know pretender at least uh, pretend well be a great pretender um that's great um it was so great that i'm like do we this is like a beautiful conclusion. It just, you <laughs> said it so well. I would just, if this was a podcast, the music would have started as we sang. <laughs> Old ragtimey music would play over. 
<laughs> um, well, I feel like we could talk forever. So mm-hmm. part of me like just wants to keep going. Um, let's, let's do a chapter two sometime, buddy. Let's just let's there we go. Jump. Yeah, great, amazing, dude. Thank you so much. Like I said, you're one of the most e- the easiest, one of the easiest people to talk to. Uh, and I really mean that. And it's a great honor to uh, know someone that has that uh, openness and ability to communicate with and is interested. There's only a few yeah. more interviews. So um, it's uh, it was fun. Thank you. Well, I, I appreciate you letting me jump into it. And that's part of, you know, um, as much as I try to structure my mind and my life, uh, it's it's that ability that I think I work on to just be able to jump around and connect things. And then you do that enough and you find phrases that creative buoyancy. Yeah, or whatever it is, there it is. because of the pre-association. So it's, a, it's having, you know, maybe even a conversation, someone like you who can help guide and, and curate the experience, but then allowing yourself to play within those spaces and feeling comfortable enough to do so, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. That was a great summary of our chat. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> hey, before, before we go, if you could st- stick around, uh, Shaq asked a question. Oh, sure. And I'm curious. Um, if he has more to expand on that, he said, I always love how much variety of work you do and the people you meet, which I guess would be you. Uh, you're one of those people, uh, always wanted to know, how do you find the energy to just pursue? And then it says the action of, but I don't know the action of what, but the energy to just pursue like, um, perseverance, um, I'll riff a little bit. I want to hear your take as well. Sure. Sure. Like for me, it's all about finding the purpose, first of all, and excitement. Like purpose and excitement are almost related. There's energy in the um, pursuit of something. There's energy in the novelty of something, like this new idea. Um, there's also energy that can be found in how it benefits others um, and challenging yourself and jumping into that well. For me, those things play a lot of the role Um there was a conversation with Brian Parker, like the second discussion I ever had on in this series where we talked about money. And I said, money's a form of energy as well. Like if you have the finances from the work to then support other projects that might be a little bit less funded, but more soul fulfilling, you can use that as a form of energy. And um, I also think that energy creates energy. So I think that like, mm-hmm you build momentum as you try these things, as you meet one person who, meet, you know, I met um, my sister, I think introduced me to Addison's brother in high school. And then I met Addison because I knew his brother. Mm-hmm. And then he introduced me to you, probably yeah. from a, a bunch of other people, right? So it's like, sure. it's not just like people are coming to me. It's a yeah. series of relationships. And the same way we make series of relationships with our work. So I think yeah. that's it's like curating that creative uh, culture and environment and community around you. Um, and then, and then I think there's a, I totally agree with what you said with like a energy, but then I think there's something we could explore called, I think we could tell, talk about like absorbable or digestible energy or, or mm-hmm. appetizing energy, because while everything can give off a certain kind of energy, maybe that energy isn't so appealing to you right now. Maybe like that paying gig isn't quite, uh, whatever it is, uh, Mm-hmm. but finding what is it that I'm actually kind of hungry for right now. And I hit a point in my career, maybe a year ago where I kind of took a step back and I'm like, okay, what is it that's actually an interesting challenge to me? What, what, what am I actually like attracted to right now with the work? What am I? And that's a part of that, like falling in and out of love with the work. It's like a, 
maybe the energy that you were drawn to for a while, you got enough of that. Mm -hmm. Now you need to find what else will appeal to you. And that's why taking breaks and that kind of stuff, you know, you can't just keep eating forever, you know, like, I guess. Yeah. Good. But if you take a break, you know, fast for a little small bites. Yeah. 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 But you know, uh, like fa fasting for, for example, like complete break from creativity for a day or so, or whatever, however long it is. Uh, but different things are going to appeal to you at different stages in your life, different days, different, different seasons. So yeah, just exploring what, what's going to pull me in now and being open to that, you know? Um, great response as well. Um, I think that that point of, we talked about earlier, sort of jumping into the well, having faith, you'll get out like mm -hmm. the same way of saying, like, I'm going to put this project or this song or this skill that I have on the shelf to use uh, Jared Masters metaphor. He was episode, um, I could actually tell you right here, episode uh, 10. Mm -hmm. um, he mentioned, you know, having this, this metaphorical workshop where his songs go on the shelves and sometimes he takes them off and tinkers and puts them back until they're eventually done. And I think having the faith in yourself that you can accomplish a lot of difficult things or things that you see other people doing that might make you feel like you can't, Yeah, you can make your own version of that. Um, and it takes time <clears throat> and time means taking breaks and not rushing it. And like, again, having faith that you will get there. Um, mm -hmm. Even if you stop doing it for two years, three years, like a decade, you know, yeah. and you can hop back on it. So with maybe more intensity and more excitement and more knowledge. So, Well, I always found it in film school, there was like, uh, there were guys like I went, you know, uh, for undergrad at USC and I always found like, I had a certain kind of drive and competitiveness in nature to myself then, but then there were like the graduate students and those are people that had, uh, maybe uh, gone to other career paths and now at 30 or 40, which yeah. it was, we're revisiting this creative path. And there was just a different level of like commitment and focus and clarity, uh, just, just a, a, a different kind of purpose where, you know, I felt like I was very engaged in the school, but there were, uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see people at any age can like re-engage with like a, a new challenging pursuit like that. And, and, uh, you know, I'm sure they, that also came with its own pressures for them because you know, they've made bigger commitments to be there, perhaps you could say, than a 20 year old with no right. Family. Stakes are a little higher, but I mean, I'm yeah. thinking about you know me in college and my relationship with design, me in high school, my relationship, and me now, and it's like the purpose did change, you know, and sure. it evolves and it matures in a great way. And I, I think I remember seeing like older people in class, and it was like they were just like fucking in it you know yeah. they were like i don't want to dick around you know i was yeah. like out with my buddies like drinking coming back to class or whatever you know like yeah. <laughs> like these people are like wired in you know and yeah i think there's there's definitely um because my relationship then was like all right i spent so much time like being told i can't even just like choose this as a career now i'm gonna do it uh i it's almost an act of rebellion in many ways which was sure. weird but then also just like i just want to make cool shit like that was the extent of what I thought I could do. Yeah. And then now it's like seeing how design can impact like deeply and having done those, run those labs so many times where you see the, um, the ripple effect of your decision-making. It's like, wow, like this is way bigger. And now I have a, you learn your responsibility. You learn the role through time 
and you can approach it with new excitement for sure. Yeah. You said, uh, it was kind of weird that you, you maybe pursued that education as an act of rebellion, but like, man, that's so much of what we're all doing, you know, like it's just an act of rebellion. So it's like, it's not weird, yeah. man. That's, that's just that's almost necessary. You know? Yeah. Yeah. In many ways, rebelling against ourselves or the mm -hmm. internal narratives or, uh, you know, external narratives. Yeah. Yeah. That's good energy too. I mean, it's bad energy, uh, what it is, but, um, conceptually, but it's good energy to, to, again, it's, there's a motivation there, motivation, purpose, good people, time, um, finances or the elimination of stress and the fulfillment of those hierarchy of needs are the ways that you get there. It's kind of, it's conceptually simple, strategic or tactically difficult to implement sometimes given everyone's circumstance, but like you don't have to go from zero to a thousand either. You can go from like no projects to like, let me like tinker around on like how to build a keyboard. Like that's what I want to do. Like, in you know, oh, let me like start with a key. Like what goes into making, I'm looking at my keyword. What goes into making a key? <laughs> you know, and then like, if that's your thing, like figure that out. You don't have to make one. Um, so you do have to make well, one right now. <laughs> you don't have to make one right now. Um, Apple just released a whole bunch. So go pick okay. up. <laughs> Dude, uh, absolute pleasure. Thanks for taking uh, uh, thanks, the, the end tech for that question. Um, of course. Super of course. thoughtful human. Everyone go follow Matthew online um, and show some love. And uh, if you need anyone to shoot your next film, he's your guy. He's your imposter. <laughs> I'm good at <laughs> pretending good. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. I, I love the series you're doing, and and uh, it felt great to be a part of it. Excellent, man. Have, well, have a great day. Thanks, man. You're I'll just getting started. It's like <laughs> one o'clock. Yeah. Right. Take care, bro. Cheers, buddy. Bye.